And I think by me fully and radically owning all of my emotions, owning the trauma, sharing that experience, all of a sudden it just blew open these doors that I could talk about this with my parents now. And then I think likewise, it gave them more permission to speak to me about things. And then I felt like our relationship from my point of view anyways, changed significantly in that very moment because I no longer was a daughter. I was a woman and I could share my journey now with them and not have to feel like it would upset them. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Psychedelics Podcast, where our intention is to bring heart and intuition to the foreground of psychedelics. I'm your host, Lana. And I'm your host, Zoe. Together, we are going to be taking a journey each week, introducing you to some of the greatest minds in plant medicine and psychedelics. Sure to ignite awarenesses and rememberings of divine ancient wisdom as we integrate psychedelics into modern life. So let's journey. All right, everyone, today we've got a really fun episode. Lana and I are going to be talking about tripping with your parents. This is something that we've both done. (laughs) And I don't know about you, Lana, but when I first did psychedelics with my parents, which was my stepmom at first, I just had almost a pinch me moment like I can't believe I'm actually doing this with uh, my my stepmother so how was that experience for you just like the initial feeling or idea of doing psychedelics with your parents yeah pinch me moment is a good way to describe it I think people who are in this world um, and really see the profound effects and changes and blessings that come from working with psychedelics in such an intentional way. We want nothing but to share this experience with the people that we love the most. And I think what's so interesting is that a lot of the time we're going in and doing the work around, you know, healing childhood wounds, healing childhood trauma, doing the work on the lineage, the ancestry. And so it's so natural to want to kind of amplify that work and share that experience with your parents. So it is something that is just so special. Yeah, incredibly special. And we're going to be sharing more about our personal journeys with this in today's episode. And we're also going to be starting it off with talking about how we came out of the psychedelic closet, if you will, to our parents, because that's the first step is letting them know that you're actually involved in this world and then planting some seeds naturally, whether it's intentional or not. So Lana, how did you come out of the psychedelic closet to your parents? Yes. So I, it was actually after a ayahuasca ceremony. So I had been sitting with ayahuasca for over a year, I believe it was. It was somewhere around the year mark. And something that I experienced in that particular ceremony was that, well, I was doing a lot of work around my throat and I have this chronic thing in my throat where it's like a post-nasal drip kind of thing that I've healed a lot from my ayahuasca ceremonies and the work around that has really been speaking my truth. Um, especially even with this podcast, a lot of a lot of the healing has come from just showing up here and speaking and not holding back, right? 
So the message that I got around that at that point was that by not telling my parents and by not being honest about this part of my life, which was so important to me, I was actually not being my true self. I was suppressing my true self and it was almost like there was like a shame around being who I truly was. So the message was go home and tell your parents they're ready. It's time. And I guess I should have mentioned that up until now, (laughs) I would go, you know, every month or every few months to ceremony. And I would actually tell my parents that I was going to a yoga retreat, (laughs) which I'm assuming a lot of us have done. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a common thing. You know, yoga retreat is like the (laughs) go-to, but yeah, so I was telling them and then I went home and if I hadn't received that message from the medicine that it was time and that they were ready and that it was just really important for me to do this so that my integrity was in order, integrity is my top value. Um, If I didn't have that reasoning behind it, I probably wouldn't have done it, but it was actually... Actually, I, I before I get into the story, I, I also want to preface this because I think a lot of our listeners will relate to this. I was born in former Yugoslavia. The culture that I come from and the family that I come from, using psychedelics is like not kosher. It's not cool. It is seen as drug use. Um, you know, the preferred medicine, if you will, or drug is alcohol. Like we are very much an alcohol-based culture using psychedelics in this way, calling them medicines, doing this kind of work is very foreign, very taboo. And it's basically labeled as taking drugs. So I knew it was going to be a difficult conversation, but I, I knew I had to do it. So the next morning, the Monday morning, I was having uh, breakfast on the in the backyard in our patio outside, and I was just like, okay, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, and I just came out to them. I said, oh, there's something I have to tell you, and it's something that's very important to me, and I feel like I'm not being honest with you about who I am, and you know, when I tell you that I've been going to these yoga retreats, I was lying and this is what I'm actually doing. And it's this Amazonian medicine and this tea. And I, I explained it and yeah, it was scary. It was really scary, but they were surprisingly so receptive. And because they had seen my struggles with depressive episodes. I had never been diagnosed with depression, but I had been diagnosed with depressive episodes. I have had anxiety attacks, um, you know, like gone to the hospital because of anxiety attacks and like heart palpitations. They have seen me go, go through a lot of these mental health problems and go through years of therapy. And I think what they saw was a lot of positive changes in me since that year that I had been sitting with ayahuasca. And I think that helped them to be more receptive because they could, they finally understood fully where these changes were coming from. And they were just really happy for me that I found something that, that was working for me. So yeah, that's kind of how it went down. And even though it was really scary, I'm really, really happy that I did it. And I couldn't have done it without the support of of the medicine, actually. 
I love that. And I love how it was its own journey in itself. It was its own ceremony, right? Really coming to understand that it was important for you to share with them. And it was important for you for a multitude of reasons, not just because it was your number one value, but it was the work to do on your throat chakra. It was actually breaking through, it sounds like some ancestral patterns of suppressing the truth or not feeling like it's okay to fully be who you are. So it Mm -hmm. sounds like in itself, just this sharing, this coming out of the psychedelic closet was a liberation for you and for your ancestors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was because I didn't have to like hide who I was anymore. And I remember one ceremony, I did purge something ancestral that was like someone from my dad's lineage wasn't being fully open and honest about who he was. And I don't know how I knew that, but I just knew that that was what I purged. And I will also say that up until this point, I had to do a lot of work on codependency. I don't know if I've talked about my codependency on the podcast, but I, hi, my name is Lana and I'm a recovered codependent. Um, I did a lot of work around codependency and what that actually entailed was releasing the attachment and the responsibility that I had for other people's reactions. So I actually had to get to a point where it was like, okay, it is only my job to show up with integrity. It is only my job to be honest about who I am and to be honest about what I present myself as in the world, it's not my responsibility how people react to me. So I really had to take my power back in that way and going into that conversation and coming clean with them. I had to understand that their reaction was theirs and theirs alone and that it had nothing to do with me and that if they happened to have a problem with it, that that was kind of theirs to deal with, right? So I think that's also just worth highlighting that I had to be ready in that way. Yeah. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Lana. Yeah. So that was um, that was a deep share. Zoe, why don't you tell us how you came clean with us? And I know that there's like a nice little YouTube story around there too, around how you kind of started talking about it more and talking more about mushrooms and all of that on your YouTube. Why don't you tell us what that journey looked like for you of kind of being honest with the world and with your family and parents about this this part of you? Yeah. So I was living in Rome at the time when I got invited to Rhythmia and I'd received the call. I believe I shared about this in our first episode in more detail if you guys are interested. I think that'll also highlight more of Lana's journey into psychedelics as well. So I was invited to Rhythmia Life Advancement Center in Costa Rica for a week of plant medicine, yoga, breath work, all the good stuff. And I'd always wanted to go to Costa Rica. And I was most definitely receiving the call to ayahuasca. And so I confirmed that I would go on this trip. And so I flew down to Costa Rica. And when I arrived at Rhythmia, I sort of 
I was definitely open to what I was about to do, but I was sort of feeling a little bit hesitant or nervous, especially because I realized I hadn't fully told my dad what I was about to do. And my dad, I am just so incredibly grateful for him. Like I feel like on so in so many different ways, my dad saved my life. Like I actually don't think that I well, I first of all, I wouldn't be the person that I am today without him. And I I don't think that I would be here right now if I didn't have him in my life. Uh, he's been such a rock for me and especially not having um, a mother in my life. And in the times when I did, her being highly abusive, I just felt like, you know, I'm, yeah, I owed it to my dad to tell him before I was about to do something that has been known to be very life-changing. And so I remember I called him and I was like, hey, dad. Uh, so remember I told you I was like going to Costa Rica or, and he's like, yeah. And I said, you know, and I'm going to do ayahuasca. And he's like, yeah, like that that volcano, you're going to hike up that volcano. And I was like, <laughs> 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 so like, I don't know. Gotta how. love dad. <laughs> yeah, because I think at that time I'd been very vague about what I was going to do. I was like, yeah, I'm going to this luxury resort, you know, highlighting the the more um, norm things, I suppose. <laughs> and then, but before I was about to really embark on this journey, I just knew like as same as you, Lana, like I just had to be honest about it. I just, there was some part of me inside that just felt like I have to tell my dad. He's been such a part of this journey of overcoming so much trauma that, I need to tell him that I'm about to do this. So anyways, and it was, I remember being quite nervous about it. I'm like, no dad, it's actually this tea that you drink and um, you can't get visions. I don't know if I actually called it a psychedelic at that time because I had never experienced anything like a, a psychedelic. And so, yeah, I remember, I'm sure my words were mumbly and a little bit vague and all over the place. But actually my stepmother, she was on speakerphone when I I told the both of them and she popped in. She's like, oh, ayahuasca, I want to do that. She's like, Brian, that's that thing I was telling you about, like with the shaman. And so, and he's like, oh, and I don't know if he really like remembered, but he was like, oh, okay. Because if, if my stepmom was on board with it, then it was like, oh yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so I, uh, right. yeah, I, I fessed up, I suppose you could say before I went into the journey. And so then I did four ceremonies consecutively, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at Rhythmia. And I can wholeheartedly say I left a completely different person. And I would say that I was awake and spiritual before that. And I would sort of talk to my parents about uh, maybe a little bit of manifestation or a little bit of law of attraction. And they were obviously watching my YouTube channel when I started to speak more about those types of things. But nothing to this extent. Like I did not share any part of my healing journey on YouTube it was mostly just here are the self-improvement books that I'm reading and this is what I'm learning and then Law of Attraction is one of my favorite things to talk about. So here we are in minimalism. Like there was a whole other depth that I actually hadn't accessed in myself yet that ayahuasca showed me. And a lot of the healing that I did was related to my mother. And so after all of that happened, I knew that, yes, I was going to be 
on YouTube talking about this. I wanted nothing more than to share it with the world because of how powerful and how profound it was for me. I remember the first night after drinking ayahuasca, I woke up the next day and thought nobody would ever kill themselves if they had this opportunity. Like nobody would ever take their own life or even consider that if they if this was more accessible to people, I guess is what I'm saying. As in like um like thankfully I wasn't at that space in time when I entered into ayahuasca, but I was definitely depressed. I was definitely holding and harboring a lot of trauma that I had suppressed from my childhood. And yeah, it just, it needed to come out. And I just, I remember just feeling so much for the people in this world who, who aren't or have not been aware of these medicines. And I think that's why like Lana and I are so passionate about sharing these powerful, positive messages from psychedelics and healing with the world is because they've shifted our lives in such a profound way that we're no longer the same people in the best way. And so after, of course, I did ayahuasca these four days, I became a different person, same, same, but different, you know, and I knew I had to share it with the world because one, I had this media deal with uh, arrhythmia and I had to do four videos where I was talking about ayahuasca. It was great because they gave me like full creative control. um, So I could just storytell, which is my passion of just, you know, recalling the journeys. And so I knew that before those went out that I would have to tell my parents first again. Like I would have to tell my dad more about what I experienced before I was going to tell the internet, just honoring my personal values. And so the week after uh, Rhythmia, I actually went down to a rural part of Costa Rica to volunteer with sea turtles in nature for a week. So I didn't really have Wi-Fi. I was just kind of it was actually perfect for integration. <laughs> I was just out there in nature. And when I flew back, I flew back to Vancouver to meet my parents at the airport because we were going on a holiday together to the Dominican Republic for a few weeks. And I hadn't seen them in a long time, right? Because I was living in Rome, Italy. They were living on Vancouver Island. So I just remember being at the airport with them and I just burst like I just started telling them everything, 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 everything about my entire experience. I just, again, I was coming from this place where I wasn't scared. I was just so incredibly passionate. So the nerves were there prior telling them that I was about to do this. And then after receiving the transformation, the insights, all of the healing around my mother and just seeing seeing the healing powers of this medicine that I had never I never even had known before. Um, I just, you know, I had to share. (laughs) I'm very, Lana knows this. Anytime I'm like super passionate about something, even if it's just like a product or (laughs) I don't know, something that I'm learning, I I just gush about it so much. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we definitely have that in common. It's like we should have a podcast or something. Yeah. So (laughs) anyways, I was like just (laughs) gushing all about ayahuasca to them also my friends. And then I shared on YouTube. And what was really um, amazing for for me in this experience with ayahuasca was that I felt like prior to opening up to my parents about this, like we didn't really talk about my mom or what had happened. 
it would come up here and there because, you know, certain events would happen in the family or things like that, or certain things would happen with my mom that I needed to become aware of. But it was sort of this thing that we just didn't talk about. It was like, okay, that happened. Um, I went to therapy. And sometimes I went to therapy with my mom and my dad. And then it got to the point where that was no longer safe for me. So I was going to therapy by myself. And it was sort of just this thing that like my dad would take me to therapy or eventually then I could drive myself to therapy. And that was where I would unpack things. But honestly, the unpacking was very light. I don't think I was fully aware because when I got to the point of doing ayahuasca, it was like my my mother wound was like addressed on the surface level. It was like, yeah, this is what my mom did, but you know what? I'm totally okay, but there's so much underneath and that's what ayahuasca shows us is there's so much underneath that we might be holding on to or suppressing. So anyways, I just totally gushed and gushed and gushed about this experience. I was just so radically honest with my parents and um, yeah, they were just so open to receive it. And after that, I didn't feel like I had to hide how I was feeling anymore. I was definitely raised in one of those families, which I think a lot of us were, where, you know, if you're crying, you're told to stop crying. If you're like experiencing emotions, you're like told to not, right? Like it's just package it all up, hold it all in. And I think by me fully and radically owning all of my emotions, owning the trauma, sharing that experience, all of a sudden it just blew open these doors that I could talk about this with my parents now. And then I think likewise, it gave them more permission to speak to me about things. And then I felt like our relationship from my point of view anyways, changed significantly in that very moment because I no longer was a daughter. I was a woman and I could share my journey now with them and not have to feel like it would upset them. Again, also, I think similar to what you said, Lana, about, you know, always gauging people's reactions. And I think based on the trauma that I experienced as a child, it was like, don't do anything that would cause someone to to feel uncomfortable because then you're going to get the backlash of that. So in that moment, I was just breaking so many patterns just by sharing my my truth. So that was my experience. And then since then, I just share with them everything. And I'm so, so grateful for that because especially like with my, um, my dad and my stepmom, like I no longer feel like they're just my dad and my stepmom. They are, they're deep connections and friends of mine. Like, and, and I could have never imagined having that connection with them. And I don't think it would have been possible, um, have it not been for ayahuasca and just breaking through all those walls. So yeah, sorry if that was a bit rambly, but (laughs) that was, that was the journey. No, it was perfect. Thanks for sharing. And it, it is so amazing how this medicine, ayahuasca in particular, really teaches in so many different ways, even with just like sharing it and sharing our excitement for it and relationship with it with others can be in itself such a healing experience because we get to practice and integrate those things that she teaches us in ceremony into, you know, how we choose to show up in these difficult moments of 
opening up about something that is controversial. And I think what's so interesting about both of our stories that we shared is it really highlights that, you know, you're always met with what you put out into the world. So, you know, I think that if I if I came out and said, like, listen, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm using to my parents um, during a time when I was not integrated as a whole person and I was coming out of fear, I probably would have been met with fear, right? If I came to them out of fear, I probably would have been met with them with fear. If I came to them fearing their judgment, I probably would have received judgment, but their reaction was exactly a mirror of what I was holding up to them. And it sounds like that was a similar to ex- experience to what you had, which is, it's so beautiful and it's so surprising, so pleasantly surprising that our expectations can be surpassed in that way. Yeah. Such a, it's so beautiful. Like it's, it's difficult, but then you get to the other side and there's so many blessings on the other side of that, of just really sharing your truth. I mean, and we can apply this to any area of life, but it really is just ceremony, right? You work through what feels difficult, what feels challenging. And then on the other side is this liberation where you're free from honoring your truth and honoring who you truly are. And then you're, you're met with, with a deeper level of love and even more love for shining that true light of who you are with the world. Mm-hmm. Mm, so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So thankful for these medicines that allow us to just to be more of who we truly are. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. So it wasn't it wasn't too long after your first experience that you went back with your stepmom, right? Yeah. So the next year I was invited back to Rhythmia again. And I and my stepmom, like after I'd shared all of this, and she actually told me that she she had received the call or right, like it had perked her interest. Uh, prior to me actually going, like she had heard about it. And then again, she was um, referencing it in that conversation with my dad. So then it was kind of like, okay. So she said that if I went again, that she would like to come. And she said that she really knew that she wanted to come because she saw the changes in me from that that year in between, right? Of of doing ayahuasca, and then we went we went back together a year later to Rhythmia. And she said it wasn't like a phase. Let's say it was. There has been a deep transformation in this in this daughter of mine, and so I I want to experience that as well. I. I'm called and there was like a lot of synchronicities for her as well. And so, yeah, she came, she came back to Rhythmia with me. And again, we did the four ceremonies and it was, uh, it was so interesting being there with her. Like I wanted nothing more than to share this with her. I of course wanted my dad to come too, but he said, uh, he said, if you go back again, (laughs) if you go back the next year, I'll come. But then the pandemic and everything happened. So unfortunately, that that didn't happen. But we ended up doing uh, a different type of psychedelics, which we'll get into later in the podcast. But Which we have interesting photo evidence of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, um, my stepmother's name is Mika. So Mika and I were at Rhythmia, and I just remember being so grateful that I could share this experience with her because I feel like 
now looking back in hindsight as like a teenage girl, I, I wanted nothing more. There was a deep longing inside of me for a mother, like for a mother figure. And, and I didn't really quite have that. Like when I was a teenager, I was going through all the motions. I was definitely, um, you know, I had a lot of <laughs> emotions. There was like a lot of anger, um, you know, just feeling like, why, why is this happening to me? You know, I, I wore the dark eyeliner. I, <laughs> I uh, listened to the emo music sometimes, you know, it was raging. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I had that face too. <laughs> and so like my stepmother and I, we didn't always have like the most kind relationship, I would say. But I could recognize that there was a deep longing in me now in hindsight that I just really desired motherly love. I really desired that that motherly figure. And after, of course, I broke through all those walls and I showed up more uninhibitedly sharing about my journey and my mom, I think it just gave my stepmom more permission to show me more of who she was, talk to me more about her journey, actually tell me about what she's been through in her life, right? So it it really allowed us that year, like, prior to going to Rhythmia together to get to know each other better. And like I said, more like friends almost rather than just being like mother-daughter sort of construct. And so when we were at Rhythmia, I remember the first night we drank, I was so excited. She was so excited. And at Rhythmia, they separate you from anyone that you come with, right? So you, you actually don't do ceremony like you wouldn't lie down the same like beds beside each other with someone that you know. And that's just so that you can have your own journey. And I really see the importance of this because we drank the medicine and I would say for the first hour or so before it really started to kick in, I was so concerned for her. All I could think about was, I hope Mika's okay. I would like get up and try to glance over to her side of the room. Like, of course, not being able to see very well, but just being like, I hope she's okay. I hope she's not mad that like I influenced her to come here. Like, I hope that she's not experiencing something scary. There was all of this showing up for me, which naturally was a part of my process. And uh, I, I had a very difficult ceremony. Like, I think one of my most difficult ceremonies. Uh, and at the end of it, I just remember coming out the other side and feeling so much love as you do, but just really seeing that there was absolutely no one else on this planet that I would have rather done ayahuasca with. As I came back to the medicine, there was, there was no one else in my life, not even like my dad. It was Mika. She was the one that I wanted to, to, to sit with, right. To experience this blessing with. And yeah, I just remember as soon as we were free to get up, I just went over and I just gave her the biggest hug. And I just, I just said, you know, there's no one else that I'd rather be here with than you. And I feel like that really deepened our relationship. And of course we had more journeys after that. And we talked about it. We had an amazing week at Rhythmia and it was just really special. It's definitely something I'll hold in my heart for, for the rest of my life. Like I am so deeply grateful because I think once you, I mean, just as you said, Lan, at the end of this episode, you experience this medicine and you want nothing more than for the people that you love so deeply in this life to experience it as well. And so to have that, like, I feel so incredibly blessed. Like it, 
it's just beyond. I, I don't even have words for it. And I mean, all that being said, Lana, this past weekend, actually, you sat in ceremony with your mother. So tell us more about that. Mm, oh, okay. I was going to say, you're making me, you're making me cry over here. Thank you for that beautiful sharing. Um, but yes, I, I did sit in ceremony. So it is Wednesday night right now. My mom and I got home from the retreat on Sunday a few days ago. So it's all very fresh, but, uh, you guys, my dream of sitting in ceremony with my mom came true. And I'll just say that even before this happened, I was really gently pushing this experience upon her. Like I just really knew in my heart that this was important for me to share with her and that she would benefit from it because she's had this chronic cough her entire, well, for the past 15 years and, you know, nothing with Western medicine has worked. And I just feel really strongly that it's an emotional an emotional root, like an emotional cause that the ayahuasca medicine is so good at kind of getting in there and releasing. So I would just like push listening to ayahuasca by Rachel Harris on her, who we had on the podcast. We'll link that episode in the show notes. It's a really great book to just hand off to someone who wants to learn more about this medicine. And she was always really, really against it. Um, not because she didn't think like highly of the medicine. I think she learned to see it with respect just from the way that I speak about it and from all of the ways that it has changed me. But she was more uncomfortable with going through the experience of purging, of staying up all night, of just like physically challenging herself in that way. And it wasn't until she got a diagnosis about three months ago two or three months ago. So my mom got diagnosed with colon cancer, which was a huge shock for everyone in our family. And it was only then when she um, agreed to come to do ceremony with me. And so we went and it was so, so powerful. We had such a deep shared healing experience and I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Like it was just, just sharing that space with her and sharing this part of my life with her and like having her go through the experience of just like being there and seeing the ceremony and meeting the shamans that I've been working with for two and a half years who have just helped me in so many ways and who I have such a deep connection with. And just having her there was deeply special to me because I have lived a lot of my life feeling misunderstood and unheard and unseen by my parents. So that was in itself very healing, but we definitely did some co-healing together, which I'll share with you. I haven't even shared this with you yet, Zoe. So um, I'm excited. <laughs> I've been waiting for this, you guys. <laughs> it's only been like yeah, a few so days, like we said, but I've been like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to record and hear about this. Yeah. My heart's just beaming. So <laughs> Yeah, keep going. <laughs> it's like when I when I didn't ask you anything about Cambo so that we could do an episode about it. But basically what happened was um I guess with with her cough, it got like very triggered while we were there. And straight from the beginning when we did the hape medicine, um my mom was first in line. She was actually like 
on the one row nearest to the shaman and I was furthest from the shaman. So there was like probably 10 people in between us who got served the medicine. Anyway, she got served the hape and the whole time she was coughing and coughing and coughing. And then I got served the hape and then I went back to my mat. My mom was still coughing. And then all of a sudden I, I purged, but it wasn't puke necessarily. It was like, sorry, this is going to be a little graphic guys, but it was like a white substance that was almost like an acid reflux type of substance. It was like more like spit. Sorry guys, this is kind of gross. I apologize. But um, what was interesting is that that is what my mother purges when she has her cough. It like, she describes it as like an acid reflux type of purge. So that happened and that came out of me. And then after that came out of me, my mom stopped coughing. So I was like, all right, here we go. So I am doing her work for her as in, you know, both her and I are obviously so connected energetically. So when I clear something, it's going to clear it for her. And when she clears something, it's going to clear it for me in a way in the ways that we're holding on to each other's stuff. So that was kind of the first thing that happened um, that kind of signaled to me that we were going to have a more connected experience. And then I guess throughout the second night, the same thing was happening, but I was feeling like this burning sensation in my, um, I guess like my digestive area, like in my belly and then also in my heart and in my throat. So right away I could tell that I was experiencing just some energy for my mom. It didn't feel like it was mine. I know that she has like chest pains and anxiety, the throat thing, and then the colon. Of course, I could just tell that it was like her energy. So I was kind of, I told the shaman and she was like, yes, just like ask if it's hers. And if it is, ask to send it back, just ask the medicine to send it back to her. So I did that. And then I kind of fell asleep. And then for the rest of the evening, I was like a little baby in the sense that I was just sleeping going to the bathroom, sleeping, going to the bathroom, sleeping, going to the bathroom. And I must have gone to the bathroom like seven times. I'm not even kidding. And Zoe, I didn't puke, which is so rare for me. Yeah, I didn't puke. I was just going to the bathroom. So I was just like releasing all this stuff. And like anyone who's done ayahuasca always like, you know, that it's not like any way that you purge. It's not necessarily food, right? So I was just going and going and we had only had breakfast that morning. I was just purging and purging and purging. Um, and I did sense that it was, again, like mom's stuff. So that was really, that was really powerful. And then when she, when we, you know, when we woke up in the morning, she was just like, she was so cute. <laughs> it was so special. And like everyone was kind of cheering her on and just loving her. But, you know, she she said that she felt like she could breathe clearly for the first time in her life and that like so much stress and anxiety had been lifted. Wow. And she just had such, yeah, she just had such a powerful experience. So, and a lot of stuff came up around just like the abandonment wound and the mother wound for me that weekend. So yeah, it was, it was very special. I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining this, but basically we were just very connected energetically and physically. And it was so powerful to be able to do that work together. Yeah, that's oh, so incredible, Lana. And thank you for 
sharing that. And again, um, I I want just want to say there's no need to apologize. Like all of these things are bodily functions. There's yeah. no apologizing <laughs> and it's all natural, right? No shame here. And I think there's just so much power in you just being like so radically honest about what the body was experiencing in those moments because then of course like the next time it's definitely going to help more than a few people the next time they go to ceremony and experience something like that so I just wanted to say that mm-hmm. and um but yeah and just thank you thank you thank you for going into the the depth of this right of like how this medicine is so incredibly intelligent and magical that you can have a co-healing experience with your with your mom that is so deep right like mm-hmm. it just continues to amaze me how ayahuasca works it it just it's limitless and mm-hmm. so incredibly profound and just so so special i mean i can't even imagine like waking up um that morning and like hearing your mom say like she she felt like she could breathe for the first time in her life and that just a significant energetic weight has been lifted like that. I don't know that would have brought me to tears. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, just what an experience to have. Yeah. I think what's so powerful about it is like our parents always see us as kids, right? Like no matter how old we are, no matter how wise we are, no matter how many ayahuasca ceremonies we've had, no matter how many spiritual books we've read, no matter what we've experienced, they're always going to see us as their children. So as many times that I've told my mom, like, hey, maybe this is something emotional and, you know, maybe you would be served by a modality that isn't the Western medical system, which has for 15 years been unable to diagnose or heal your cough. You know, maybe you maybe you can look into an alternative modality, an alternative medicine such as ayahuasca. And as many times as I say that to them, like it's just different when she's able to get that knowledge and understanding for herself, but also from a shaman or a community or a medicine. So the awareness that she received that like, hey, there's other options and this might be this might be something different than what I thought it was. Yeah. And I'm so curious as to how integration is going to go after this or how life will change for her after this. I imagine Mm -hmm. like with all that liberation, but also just the permission that there are different modalities and anything that catches the intuition or, or nudges could be the pathway forward with all those powerful intentions to heal. Like for example, heal the cough. Like I feel like ayahuasca really helps the the path to be made clear and, and all these medicines really do. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm really excited to hear more about your your mom's journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe one day she'll have Cambo served by you and that will help her even more um, with yeah. the physical purging. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. It really is so cool. And like, I, I guess what I just want to say to our listeners is I was the person, you know, who went to so many of these ayahuasca ceremonies. And like every time it was not lost upon me that I wanted to share this experience with my mom and have this experience with her and just have her there with me one day. And 
for a long time, I just didn't think it was going to happen and I didn't think it was possible. And it did. It did. And it was so expansive for everyone who was in our group that weekend to see that. Because it is, again, back to what we were saying at the beginning, it is the experience that everyone wants to have, right? They want to share this with them. So I would just like to give everyone listening the expansion and the permission to like really dream big and allow yourself to go there and allow yourself to really want that experience and to allow the universe to surprise you and how it delivers. And I will give an update. So she did get that diagnosis for the colon cancer and we just got news this week that it's stage one. So we're over here celebrating and so happy and yeah, just it was cool that it came the day after we had the ayahuasca ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. And all the blessings and healing energy to your mother. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I guess that's, I think that's, that's everything that I want to share. What about you? Is there anything you want to? Yeah. Add on. I don't know if you want to touch on your experiences with your dad, maybe. Yeah, I will end the podcast with this story. Yeah. So because I feel like this is just it's just so incredible. I mean, to think that my journey with psychedelics started two years, I suppose, before I could have an experience like this with my dad was um, amazing. So again, like same with what Lana just said. Every time that I would experience these medicines, uh, ayahuasca or psilocybin, I just was like, oh, I just want, I just want my parents <laughs> to do this or experience this. And especially my dad, right? Already having the the blessing of sitting with my stepmother, I just was like, oh, it's too bad the pandemic happened or else maybe me and my dad could have been at Rhythmia with my stepmom all doing ayahuasca together and what an experience that will be. And, you know, perhaps in the future, I'm planting all those seeds but uh, I have such a fun story about psilocybin and my parents. So, and when I say my parents, I mean my stepmother Mika and my my dad. Um, so yeah, during the pandemic, I went. I was living in Toronto, and I flew back to Vancouver Island a couple of times to visit and just spend a week, a uh, week or two with my parents and. So I believe I flew back in September of 2020 and I, uh, Lana had been prompting me and influencing me to watch Fantastic Fungi, the documentary, which I knew was going to be amazing. And part of me just wanted to like save it to watch it with my parents because it, I just, it's like important to me that I... <laughs> slightly plant these seeds like intentionally if that makes sense like I know I talk about like ayahuasca or I talk about plant medicine or I talk about modern psychedelics even like with my parents from time to time giving them updates but I just felt like I needed to watch this with them like I just felt like there was definitely wisdom and inspiration in there that I also needed them to see too so we watched that together for the first time fantastic documentary for anyone who hasn't seen it. I absolutely love documentaries. And this so one, okay, this one, I, I, it brought me to tears. And I, after that documentary, could never look at a mushroom the same way again. It was like, all of a sudden, I had all of this love 
for mushrooms, like in general. And I was just so amazed. And so I watched this documentary with um, my parents. And at that point in time, they knew that I was microdosing psilocybin. I would talk to them about it and um, share a little bit here and there. And so we watched this documentary together. I'm crying. I'm just so deeply moved by this. I think my dad was like, wow, that's fascinating. And my stepmom was like on her phone. She's like, I'm, Brian, I'm going to get us some of these. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally remember that like oh, by, <laughs> by the end of that night, my stepmom had already organized <laughs> getting herself some psilocybin to begin microdosing so i was like the seed has not just been planted the seed has started to be born (laughs) so this is a really good documentary to share with your parents if you want to just like gently introduce them to this topic of because they talk about like regular medicinal functional mushrooms but also psilocybin yes and it just like it's so well done It's so well Mm -hmm. done. It's so captivating. It's so informative. And I mean, it might make your mother order magic mushrooms. Yes. (laughs) And yeah, it's so incredible. And so I was just, you know, you can just imagine me. I'm just so moved by this documentary. And then I'm just so moved about the fact that mushrooms, psilocybin is going to make its way into my parents' home. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) in some capacity, right? I'm like, oh, like, you know, if, yeah, just I was really happy. And then, um, yeah, what what happened after that was I came back to visit during New Year's. And, you know, I was there for like Christmas holidays. I think I was there for two and a half or three weeks. Lena, you were house sitting for me at the Hotel California, <laughs> condo yeah. sitting. And uh, you had a ceremony too. We had a ceremony the same Exactly. Night. Yeah. We journeyed together, but apart. <laughs> yes. And we actually journeyed like at the same time, which is cool. So mm-hmm. what ended up happening on New Year's was I just kept planting seeds. I'm like, you know what? Like since it's a pandemic, we can't do too much. Like, why don't we do those mushrooms? Remember? Like, remember there's mushrooms? <laughs> like I was just planting seeds and then I was like talking about it. I'm like, this would be a great idea. It'd be so much fun. And um my stepmom was on board and I feel like my dad was like, yeah, maybe like, you know, and I was like deep inside. I'm like, I just really want, I just really want to have this experience with my dad. <laughs> I was like, very attached to it. Uh, and then, so uh, it was beautiful because my stepmom, she's a Reiki master and she also, um, I think it would be termed as like a certification in Munai Ki. So she was like, we were like setting up ceremony. I set up a, a mattress on the floor for me by the fire so I could sleep there. Um, my dad was on one couch. My stepmom was set up on the other. And my stepmom's like, so this is how it went down. My stepmom's calling in the four directions, like saging the house. I'm like getting all the beds, getting everything like prepared. So like it's all comfy. There's like fuzzy blankets. I got my eye patch ready um, or my eye cover rather. Your iPad? Yeah. <laughs> You know, the the Lunia. The Lunia. The Lunia, the best. The best. The silk eye covers. And so (laughs) I patched, but I'm a pirate. (laughs) Um, But my dad, like, this is so, this is is just so typical. So my dad's watching the World Juniors on, because it's New Year's or whatever. So my dad's watching hockey on TV. My stepmom's calling in the four directions. I'm like creating a safe space. (laughs) And then my stepmom, what did she go for? She's like, Brian, just no, just shut it off. Like, <laughs> no. 
So my dad like shuts off the hockey and then I'm mixing the teas. I like bring them over and we've got the good music going. I'm just beyond excited about this journey. So I drank, I drank more than my parents. Like they, they, um, they definitely had like a smaller dose, which I actually felt good about because again, I felt a little bit of this concern energy upon me. Like, I hope they have a good experience. And so we drink the tea. It starts to hit for me in about 10, 15 minutes or so. We had the lemon teching. And I uh, I was like lying in concern. I was starting to feel the going up. And then I'm like, oh, before I get super visual here, I really just want to make sure that my parents are okay. And I saw my stepmom. She was like lying on the couch and she was like smiling. And then I look over at my dad and he's like laughing. And like he was he, he was like swatting something in the air. Like he was having some visuals. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, okay. They're both smiling. My dad's laughing. It's all good. And I can now move into my journey. And so I did. And then, yeah, after that, I remember they just said they felt very refreshed. And we talked about some of like the the visions and the visuals that we had. And then I made us all smoothie bowls, acai bowls, I believe. And then, yeah. And then we just called it a night and it was just the like the most optimal New Year's Eve I could have ever imagined. Like it was so incredibly special to me to have that experience with them. And it it felt like really introducing my dad to my world in some way. Like I, I don't really know how to describe it, but it just felt like finally this thing that has been such a big part of my life that I'm very passionate about. Now I get to share a bit of it with my dad. And that was just such a gift. And uh, yeah, so that's, so my funny story, my dad, oh, my dad also thought I was super funny because I was wearing my silk lunya and I was like in like a hoodie and like sweatpants, like curled up in a ball because I was like, I left, I left um, my body. Uh, yeah, this was like during your very, very astral travel Pleiadian yes. era, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so my dad thought I was, I was so funny. So my dad like pulled out his phone, I suppose when I was journey journeying and took photos of me, like curled up by the fire, like with my, with my linea patch on and just like in the fetal position in a little ball. And he just thought it was hilarious. Hysterical. It was pretty funny. <laughs> and it was so funny because what did he say well, he was like send this to your friend or yeah because I was like talking about also how like Lana and I were journeying together and like Lana's my best friend and like because I haven't met you yet and then um I'm like this is so special and then all of a sudden my dad is like send Lana this and like sends me a bunch of photos on WhatsApp of that he took of me when I was journeying he thought it was so funny like he just was hysterical about it and it, it was pretty funny so I sent them to you it was it was it was like the perfect thing because I came out of my journey around the same time and that was just like the best photo to receive after yeah. that so good yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks for thanks for ending us on such a like playful, fun, joyful note. Cause it can be this can be a fun thing to do with parents and like you can bring just like joy and lightness to it. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, don't <laughs> I want to tell people just don't give up hope. Of course, everyone comes to the medicines when it's their divine perfect time and they each receive the call individually. But like 
you know, if you if you feel like this is something that you want to experience with your parents, just quietly set that intention, plant the seeds when you feel called, maybe introduce them to fantastic fungi and just, send them this episode. Yeah, send them this episode, prepare <laughs> to be amazed and just be open to magic happening because like I said, if I were to think if I were to remember being at Rhythmia and if somebody were to drop in, maybe my higher self or a spirit guide and be like, yo, so in two years, like on New Year's, you're actually going to be doing mushrooms with your dad. I'd never done mushrooms at this point either. I would have been like, what? What? No way. There's no way my dad would ever do anything like that. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. You know, as you change and transform, so do your families, so do the people around you. So yeah, it it, exactly. it can be magic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Honestly, I I would say the exact same thing. I never, ever would have thought that my mom would do something like this. And here we are. So don't give up hope. Just don't yeah. do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also be aware of the spiritual ego coming into this, which I feel like we need to do an episode on the spiritual ego totally. in the psychedelic mm-hmm. space. But yeah, also be, be aware of that, right? Because I think that has a tendency to show up at this time. But yeah, have fun with it. Love it. Be honest. Be integrous. And just share all the knowledge and wisdom and just be just be you. Yeah. You know? And just come from love. Always remember that uh, exactly. love, is, love is what this is all made of. So as long as you're coming from the energy of love – in you know sharing these things like documentaries or perhaps this episode with your parents um or like a parental type figure or guardian in your life like if it's coming from that place of love uh it will it is received just like lana had said it's like holding up the mirror it's like if you're truly coming from love you will be met with love in ways so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Yeah. And as you like journey deeper with certain medicines, you kind of start to embody the frequency of the medicines, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you're basically turning into a frog now. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but you, you do start to, <laughs> you do start to kind of embody and hold that frequency and that vibration of the medicine. And as people start to recognize that and resonate more deeply with it, they're naturally going to be more curious and more open and receptive to it. So mm-hmm. Definitely. That's what I mean by, yeah, just keep doing you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so good. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Definitely let us know what you think in on Instagram or DM us or, you know, send us an email if you're old school. We love to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And have a beautiful, magical day. Thank you so much for sharing space and growing with us on the Modern Psychedelics podcast today. Come join our community on Instagram at Modern Psychedelics for more expansive content on a daily basis. And if this episode sparked something within, please let us know by leaving a review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify. This really helps to catalyze the psychedelic renaissance. The work begins when you come back down to earth and we're standing shoulder to shoulder with you doing it.